0: Welcome to Corazon Technologies, home of the Digital Executive podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Pedro Alves. Pedro Alves is the founder and CEO of Opal.ai, a software startup that provides an automated machine learning platform to empower business users with predictive analytics. While pursuing his PhD in computational biology from Yale University, Pedro started his career as a data scientist and gained experience in predicting, analyzing, and visualizing data in the fields of social graphs, genomics, gene networks, cancer metastasis, soccer strategies, joint injuries, spam detection, and topic modeling, among many others. Realizing that he was learning by observing how algorithms learn from processing different models, Pedro discovered that data scientists could benefit from AI that mimics this behavior of learning to learn to to learn therefore he founded opal to advance the field of data science and make ai easy cheap and ubiquitous pedro enjoys tackling new problems and actively participates in the ai community through projects lectures panels mentorship and advisory boards he is extremely passionate about all aspects of ai and dreams of seeing it deliver on its promise driven by opal well good afternoon pedro welcome to the show good afternoon thank you
1: it's great to be here
0: Pedro, you've got an exciting background. I was checking you out. And and by the way, if you didn't know, I'm from the Kansas City area and worked with the Cerner platform, and I saw that you had some experience in this region and with healthcare. So I appreciate the uh, shout out to another healthcare IT professional. But really, I love what you're doing. I love your journey in your career. You went from like chief data scientist and now the CEO of your own company. And we
1: know data is your passion, right? Could you tell us what made you jump into entrepreneurship? I've always wanted to create something and it was just a matter of, you know, what it would be. Obviously it had to be something that I knew a lot about, so as a data scientist I was always observing, you know, how can the data scientists give more to their companies? And when I realized there's a problem here with this particular type of job, I thought, okay, how do you solve that? You know, how do you improve the value that a data scientist brings to their company? And that's my moment of, okay, I think I can create something around this. But it's something that I've always wanted to do.
0: I love data myself. And as you know, I think both of our backgrounds are slightly different, but we both have traversed the healthcare and technology spaces, right? So, Pedro, let's talk technology. A lot of companies and products tout automated machine learning, right? AutoML, but we know many times this is not true AutoML. Could you share with us how your platform stands out from the rest?
1: Really quickly, right, AutoML is not the full breadth of a project, right? The goal of AutoML is to speed up a data science project, right? Something that starts from formulating a problem that helps the business, putting together a data set, building a model, in their feature engineering and a little bit of things with features. And then actually getting that model out into the world, right? And actually having a company use it and benefit from that model. The AutoML is, you know, that middle ground of just the machine learning component. And there's a lot around it. And as far as where, you know, we stand out, and I think there's a very different approach is if you look at all the solutions out there, they're all about either replacing or excluding people, right? So it's either, oh, you know, normally a, a data science project, you're going to have a business person uh, working together with a with a data scientist and the AutoML solutions say, hey, whether you're on the left side or right side of this equation with their AutoML solution, you can now do it by yourself, or it's... Remember how you used to have to hire a person to do jobs X, Y, or Z? Well, now you don't. We're going to replace it with this machine. And where we stand out is we're trying to basically use the platform to help unite people and make their job more efficient, right? So if you can have a platform that allows the data scientist and the non-data scientist to communicate better through the project and actually automate some of their interactions and automate some of their work, but still acknowledging the importance of everybody's role in a project, right? I think then you actually get better usage from within the company and you get the whole company on board as opposed to just team a or team b on board and i think that's that's a big difference
0: absolutely obviously having buy-in from your employees is a more positive outcome right but also and i've read a lot on this in fact i've written some things pedro about you know that teamwork between the human and the machine right you get a lot more out of it when you're working together versus just trying to do it just machine only so that is a great point and i appreciate you sharing that that's awesome Pedro, could you share your opinion why AI projects fail and how you Mm -hmm. successfully implement AI in your organization?
1: The majority of projects fail, and it's not for technical reasons. The Gartner report came out and said about 80% of projects fail. I used to say 90s, we're in the same ballpark. And I would say of that 80 or 90% of projects that fail, close to it's almost half and half. There's two big reasons. One is the project is not chosen correctly. Like you're literally doing the wrong project because there was lack of communication between the business side and what they needed and the data scientists and what they should build. So then there's that problem. The second one is after it's built, let's assume that it was the correct thing that was built. The business user, Right. The person in the marketing department or sales department or whatever department work together with the data scientists to do that project. Right. They are the final users. They're going to use this to leverage something on their side of the business. And they don't trust the model. They don't understand the model or they don't know what to do with the output of the model. And those are the reasons that a project can fail. And and see, none of those are technical. Right. Like none of those are, oh, we were supposed to hit 87 percent accuracy, but we hit 86. You know, now it's a failure. It's, it's almost never. I appreciate that insight. That's
0: great. And I think our audience would certainly appreciate your insights on these particular types of projects and their failure rates. So thank you. Pedro, in our current world of this pandemic, what do you have planned for the rest of this year as far as a product or service? Any major business shifts you had to make because of the pandemic?
1: So internally, obviously, you know, working from home and and changing the way that, that we do our own business, right? But, you know, we've always had remote people in the past, so it wasn't a giant shift for us in order to accommodate everybody working from home. So from the internal perspective, I think that it hasn't been a, a big hit for us. From an external perspective, I think we're given what I just explained as the biggest problems and why projects fail. We're trying to push forward a lot more the parts of making the business user comfortable with the model right? So that they understand they can play with it, they can touch it and play with it, simulate data, easily get it exported into their, their Excel spreadsheet, and also feel comfortable with how the model's thinking, right? So for example, you're a salesperson, you're doing an email campaign, you have an internal model in your head of how these things work, right? You know, oh, for you know demographic X or Y, email campaigns work at a higher rate. And then for that group, Older the age, the better or the worse, or something like that. Right. And if you don't see that similarly mimicked in the model, you're not going to feel comfortable letting go of your own intuition that you've gathered over 20 or 30 years of working and letting the model tell you what to do. So we're putting into the, into the platform the ability that a person can probe a model like that and understand the reasons why it's actually giving these predictions so that they can start to ask these questions and test it and say, you know, what if I change the age of this person this way? Or, you know, what if I change their their income or whatever information they have? And then they can see how it changes and affects the predictions and then feel that, yes, I, I can see how this model is thinking. And it's kind of like the way I think. So I'm going to trust it, Right. So those are some of the changes that we're doing in the product uh, this year. And we've already added most of these that I'm talking about. And then going forward with everybody working from home and everybody wanting to show their value, right? We're trying to increase the amount of collaboration within our platform, right? Especially with everybody working remotely, right? If people have a platform that they can collaborate on these projects through, you know, virtually, then you keep the productivity high in these times where, you know, people aren't meeting face-to-face a lot.
0: Thanks for sharing that. That's an interesting perspective. And I really hope that using tools like yours and doing some predictive modeling will not only help us recover as a human race or as a country or as a globe, improve on the, like I said, the recovery rate of this particular pandemic. And I think that you have that platform and those types of technologies will help us transition quicker back to a recovery phase. Pedro, just kind of wrapping up here, can you share something from your career experience that would be helpful for those looking to grow their career or maybe break into the the data science analytic
1: fields? Sure, particularly with data scientists, I've over the last 10 years interviewed about 400 data scientists, right? One question that I almost always ask is, tell me about a successful project you've had. And inevitably, you know, we spend 10, 15 minutes talking about very technical stuff, right? All the fancy new technology and things that were invented or or used in the project to show me people's technical abilities. And at the end of that 10 to 15 minutes, I always ask, who's using this model that you built, right? Who's using this project at your company? Do you know if uh, it's being used? And the answer almost always is inevitably an I don't know. I don't know if anybody in the company is using this model. And and that's a big problem, right? (laughs) Obviously the first problem is if nobody's using it, that's a problem. Secondly, you know, how can you say that this project was successful if you don't know if if the company's even using it? Because if nobody's using it, that's not a successful project. But that is kind of telling of the mindset, right, of the data scientists. They view success as predicting rehospitalizations, right? Used to be only you know, in the 60s, the percent of accuracy. And now I built this model that's 72% accurate. So success. But accuracy is how many correct predictions you're making, right? That's the measure of accuracy. If nobody's using that model, it's making zero correct predictions per year. So it's 0% accurate. I don't care if you think it's 72, it's not. It made zero percent, or it made zero correct predictions in in the period of time that nobody was using it. So I think that's my biggest advice: is as a data scientist, you have to think you're not paid to build models and hit some accuracy, right? You're paid to improve the business through the art that you know, which is you know machine learning, data science, AI, in order to improve the business. These models have to be used. And so when you think about it in those terms, right, just change that frame of reference, you'll start doing a lot of different activities with your time than just tuning a model and tweaking the parameters to get an extra half a percent. You're going to realize that there's so much more to the job than the super technical parts in the middle, but it's helping the company think about what other projects they can do. Helping think of you know problem formulation. And then also helping the company feel comfortable using the output of the model you built and then teaching them, you know, what that model means and how they can get the output and turn it into an improvement of, of their business. Right. So that that I think is the value of the data scientist. And I think more data scientists need to start thinking in that way. And really quickly they're gonna see that their career is gonna start moving forward at a much faster pace, I think.
0: Thanks, Pedro. I appreciate you sharing that. I think that gives some insight to those that are trying to break into that field or maybe in that field right now. And those little nuggets of wisdom are invaluable to our audience. So thank you for sharing. Pedro, I just want to thank you today. It was a pleasure having you on this show. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon.
1: Same here. This was fun.
0: Bye for now.